welcome to Paint Ed. PCA provides painting contractors with connections they need to grow their business. To find out more and to become a member, go to PCAPaintEd.org. Find more great content like this on PCA Overdrive. A subscription to the platform is included with membership. For all you non-members out there, sign up for our free trial. PCA Overdrive is available on the Apple Store and Google Play. In today's podcast, we feature an episode from Ask a Painter Live with Nick Slavic. In this episode, Nick demonstrates mastering the basics of wall painting and shows the exact way he trains his apprentices to paint walls like a pro. All right, here we are, folks. Uh, I am Nick Slavic. I am the proprietor of the Nick Slavic Painting and Restoration Company. I'm also the host of this show, Ask a Painter Live. Today, we have a special production assistant, Milo, come over here. Little Gator Boy. So he's going to be reading off comments today because we are streaming in three different places. And uh, he will be reading comments off to me, and I will be replying to them in, in real time. Uh, I'm going to be painting today, so obviously I'm not going to be able to check uh, my stuff, but he's going to be manning the helm, making sure everything's charging. We're on TikTok, we're on Instagram, we're on Facebook. This is an awesome show. About 200 shows ago on Ask a Painter, a uh, long, long time ago, uh, might even have been about four years ago, I did a live painting of a bedroom, a master bedroom, uh, on the internet. And so a lot of times people didn't believe the data that was coming out of my company. We have a very strict, uh, very tight, very well-defined wall painting standard operating procedure. There are 22 steps from pulling up to the house to loading the van when you're done. And basically I'm gonna walk you through in real time this. So grab three cups of coffee, grab some breakfast, do whatever you need. This is gonna be a couple hour long show. Uh, the last time I did it years ago, I did it in about two and a half hours um, while answering live comments, meandering my way through. Uh, the interesting thing you guys should know about what we do as a company is that we have a very tight process for this. So we are in my shop right now. This does not look like a standard bedroom because we are in my shop. Behind Milo is racks of sprayers, our spray booth, and everything else. This is exactly where we train all of our apprentices. Now, on this room, we actually have a standard for this room. Uh, the training module is our bedroom. The low goal is about five and a half hours. Uh, the high goal is about four hours, give or take. So what does that mean? For the price that we sell a bedroom repaint, this is a 15 by 15 foot room, um, we sell it for about 400 bucks. And that would give an apprentice or a craftsperson a budget at its highest 5.7 hours to complete it. That is the point where if you take any longer than that, the company starts losing money. Now, we have a goal inside our company for four hours, the four hour bedroom. Uh, that's about 30% under budget, give or take. Um, we are actually having, the next interesting part of this is we're having a bedroom repaint contest where every single person is coming through this room and putting up a time. The time to beat my company is about an hour and 23 minutes right now. And you will say, Nick, how good can that be in an hour and 23 minutes? Or that's not normal. I agree. This is not a normal bedroom. You can see there is no carpet. There is no furniture. Um, we do put uh, damage into the walls, a set number of screw pops and, uh, and holes and things like that. But we understand that this is not, I do not expect my people to do an hour and 23 minute bedroom repaints in the field. It's going to take longer than that. But... We do have a standard. This is a thing where everybody can put a number up on. 
one hour and 23 minute isn't realistic for the rest of time forever, but it is a way for us to all do a standardized thing and rate in our company. So we have a leaderboard in this company and uh, people put up time. So what I'm gonna do today is walk you through the basic uh, SOP. Um, my standard operating procedure just doesn't deal with painting. It deals with showing up at the house, putting up a yard sign, creating a project plan for something like this. Uh, for a typical project plan for a bedroom has four parts, the prep, top one, top two, and then deep prep. And I like people to guess how much time it's gonna take them, or if they know, make a plan, and then at the end of the day, write down how much those steps actually took. So I'm just gonna walk you through this entire thing here. Um, this has been something that I have refined and is, and is almost pure science to me at this point. Uh, again, I've been painting 29 years. I've only owned business for 14. For the last 14, I have hammered this. I have tried everything. I've tried all the tools, all the paints, all, all the tapes, all the everything. And this is the way that I've found that we can deliver the highest quality, professional, beautiful sheen wall finish to our clients regularly. And we can have apprentices do it very quickly. We have people in our company who have only been here in the trades and in our company for 10 weeks, and they can do a three and a half to four hour bed, no problem. So that's the power of the decent human being theory, the training module, and all this stuff. Now, just so you guys, everybody's gonna be curious, what are you using, this and that. So I, I will uh, I will get the show notes after and I'll list that, but we are a, <coughs> a frog tape pro uh, company. Blue frog tape. We use this for everything, inside, outside, trim, everything else. Uh, done right, you can rip this off a room and there's no touch-ups at all. Uh, for patching, uh, we use three of high strength, like this. And this is gonna look a little different than the normal three of high strength. You can see this is blue. We actually use chalk line tint in here so that when we patch uh, trim, when we patch walls that are white, we're not doing a white patch over a white wall where you can miss it. The blue tint will actually let you see what you're missing. So that's what we use here. Um, we have the Purdy Pro Extra Elasco. So a two and a half inch straight cut long handle. I was raised on straight cut brushes. Uh, I'm, I understand that I might be biased and I might be not open to angled or sash brushes, but I try them all the time and they're still not as efficient. Uh, to me, angled sash brushes, they're not wrong, but they're unidirectional. They're gonna have something like this, so if you're cutting into a corner and the angle's going the wrong way, you have to physically take a step to switch it. When I dip my paint, I'm a dipper and a wiper, so I dip, I wipe one side, and put the paint up against the wall and cut. When you have an angle brush, you have one more step of which side do I dip, which side do I put up there, that's fine. I like this because it's unidirectional, it doesn't matter. We have a pretty half inch white dove. For this time, I'm gonna be using an 18. Um, my standard is a nine inch roller, and typically a lot of the stuff we do on residential repaints is a nine inch roller. But this time, I'm gonna do an 18 because the one I did years ago, uh, Ask a Painter Live 131, give or take, I did a nine inch roller. I thought I'd give you guys another example. But brush hasn't changed, folks. I use everything. There are tons of good brushes out there, but how I determine what to use is it's gotta be world class. It's got to be readily available, and it's got to be something that can work for lots and lots of different people. So, yes, I'm sure there's a, a brush that's handmade by some Italian grandfather that we can import for $182 that's better than this. But this is something that's replicable, it's not going away, and it's a world class product. Same thing with these things. So, yep, we got our 18 inch tray, we got uh, two box fans, uh, we have an LED light, and a simple set of uh, hand tools here I'll show you as well. So prep pouch here, 
This is the standard thing we issue to people in our company. And we have our putty knife. Uh, I like the flexible ones uh, for actually doing wall patches. And somewhere between the two and a half and the three uh, is pretty nice. I like that. Now, one inch doesn't really let you cover very well. This will do most uh, standard wall damage pretty easily. We have an old, old, old purdy brush that's past its prime. This one I've been hanging on to for, I don't know, six, seven years. But this is a cleaning brush, a dust brush. A dust brush. I've cut the handle off so it doesn't get in the way, but this is what I dust off my woodwork with. Then, of course, the purdy folding tool. These things are awesome, slip in anywhere, and I used to press down my tape. And I carry just a little snub nose, uh, regular screwdriver like this. So, again, something that won't get in the way, but it will take off all the switch plates. And we just have little, little Dickies prep pouches like this. Everybody in my company gets one. And I prefer that everybody puts them on and leaves them on to have all their tools at their hand. Of course, knee pads. I've never found a perfect pair of knee pads. But these ones, uh, they will bind up on the back of your leg a little bit, but they also won't fall down. And I found that there's kind of like a lesser of two evil things, where you can get something that's perfectly comfortable, gel, Velcro, won't kind of bind up your skin on the back, but then they'll fall down. These, I would much rather have something uh, that will stay placed like this. So typically when I show up to a job site, prep pouch goes on, knee pads go on, and it stays like this all day. Knee uh, pads are a huge thing that nobody really talks about. Uh, back neck, shoulders, legs, everything's affected by your knees, especially when we have a concrete floor here. If you work all day on a concrete floor, your, your body will be very sore, and that's just the way it is. So, um, I'm basically gonna walk through this entire SOP. The basics are, when we come into a room, we put floor protection down first, uh, and we immediately wanna start patching, because patch, uh, getting those patches dry is one of the most important things. So. Floor protection uh, goes down first. In this case, we're going to do canvas drop cloths. And we immediately start getting fans and patches going. They have to drop. This is before we tape any woodwork, before we do any switch plates. Once the patches are done, then we will do uh, taping the woodwork. Then we'll take switch plates off. Then we'll sand the patches. Top coat one, top coat two, and then heat prep. We basically reverse it. There's going to be a bunch of little tricks in, in between. There's going to be one awkward moment where I'm painting the wall in front of the canvas here. So just bear with me. I might disappear for a couple seconds here. But that basic idea in our standard operating procedure is we like to start in the door that you come into a bedroom. So whatever door you enter in, we're going to call it this one here. We use that wall as our starting place. And every process we do, whether we're patching, top coat one, sanding, we start here and do around, around around and you've got to stay in that sequence like that that'll allow everything to dry well uh, another thing when you're painting a room in somewhere between one and three hours from start to finish you're going to need some assistance with drying so every crew every person is issued at least two box fans and the strategy is the second you get floor protection down box fans go on so then when you start patching it's already starting to dry because it's not going to take long to patch sometimes it can only take 15 or 20 minutes to patch an entire room for about 70 80 patches and again, if you want to get super nerdy with this, you get one box fan pointing this way, one box fan fan pointing this way, and you can almost feel a circular kind of air movement in here like this. And that will actually aid in the drying. If you just have two fans pointed this way, it's not going to circulate as much air as if you have one circulating like this. So our typical wall paint, our go-to wall paint is Sherwin-Williams Duration Matte. Now, there is a little bit of an issue with getting some. So in this room, we're actually going to be using super paint. We can get duration, and we are using it, but I want to save it for my crews. So I spec some super paint for this one, uh, so we don't use it and use a good gallons of duration in case we can't get it anymore. So 
All right. Unless I'm missing something, I think we are going to go for it. I'm going to come back behind the camera here and uh, make sure everything's running before I lock in. Oh, dude. Nice, buddy. <laughs> Frank's fine finishes. Unfolded purdy like a safety off a pistol. All right. So, and see, you can scroll up like this, bud. So okay. you can read off the comments as they come here and on Instagram as well too, bud. Sound good? Mm -hmm. All right. You ready to follow me around? Yes. One sip of coffee and we are rocking and rolling. And just for, just for giggles, what I'm going to do is I'm going to actually track this on my Apple watch to see how many calories I burned. <laughs> during this time and we will call this dance okay here we go folks how to paint a wall like a bro okay there's one that says hey nick good morning nick hey there's uh that sup is gold we've used it reverse visions for a couple years now i love it thank you very much and you can say the person's name too so i know it. okay um uh there's jealous of your training space. Say it again, bud. Jealous of your training oh, space. So our training space is really cool. We actually have right next to this here is a two-scale replica of a bathroom as well, too. And up above in our shop, we actually have we actually have a sorry. We have a kitchen as well, too, so that is super fun as well. Uh, that we train people. We have a stairwell that we built behind this as well, so people can practice masking spindles and things. And we also have door and window modules as well. It's fun to do that stuff. Okay, um, there's some more good mornings. Good morning, everybody. Um, Bradley Ellison. Amazing assistant deserves a raise. Is he talking about you, dude? Yes. <laughs> he actually, my little production assistant, is getting paid for this. Quite handsome, handsomely, I might remind him. So but I'm glad he I'm glad he volunteered. We were actually talking on the way over here about starting his apprenticeship this summer. So we'll see. Yeah, there's Ronnie. Ronnie's Ronnie. on this. Uh, it says, hello, surfer boy. <laughs> Ronnie is a friend, interpreter, colleague, Brazilian mentor. Love that guy. There's going to be a little bit of fan noise. This is what it is. Uh, Jerry Williams. Uh, good morning, Mr. Nick. Um, there's love that you have your son helping. Good morning, Nick, the gooseneck guy. Cheers. Uh, we use the whistle. Right, we use the whistle looking for fan only BC. You can flip it up and use for better air circulation. The box fans only can be placed one way, and that means the dust gets pushed one way. So if the people are sloppy, a lot of dust and chips are on the floor are on the floor that will eventually go towards the paint. Obviously, try to stay clean is the main key. Maybe. I think you're overthinking it. 
That's getting super nerdy. So patch LED in your hand like this. We're going to start patching. Dad, you want me to face the camera towards you? I'm going to be moving fast, bud, so track me. Okay. It's important to use LED lights, too, because the AI, especially in back corners of bedrooms, are going to miss a lot. There's not going to be enough light, so when you get one of these, you see all sorts of craziness in a lot of these walls. Oh, Dad, there's, um... Oscar Millen says no sound. Anybody else saying no sound? No, I think that's just him. Okay. Is that Facebook? Um, it's your, your, this one. That one? Okay. Keep an eye on it. Hey, people, if you have no sound, let me know. Okay. But people should have probably said that already. You want me to type that in? No. Okay. Okay, um, see, there's Jason Webb. Good morning, Nick, from London, England. Ah, good morning, my friend from across the pond. Um, there's one that I hear you fine, so that's good. Um, Sharp off, buddy boy. good morning, love your S SLP. You sit in place for your company. What brand of button shirts do you have for your company? Say what brand of button shirts? Yeah. These? So I have a different uniform for different people. So apprentices all wear t-shirts. Nice sturdy cream tan colored t-shirts. My leadership team has polo shirts. My sales team actually has long sleeve dress linen shirts and cream and tan and yet they have a and uh, I have my own kind of set of shirts, so uh, I've always worn, this is my typical uniform, even back when you know, I started this company, I wanted to raise the bar a little bit. So I honestly go between a whole bunch of different brands. Wherever I can find that scanner, I usually take. That means we got Dickies, we got Carhartt. This one, I can't remember, some of these are just actually kind of like linen dress shirts too. So. It's actually surprisingly hard to find tan and green colored shirts sometimes. So I take what I can get, but our latest batch of like really nice long sleeve dress shirts is actually come from Amazon Essentials. Really cool. They got a bunch of basic stuff. Um, Ronnie said, ask, Nif ask Nick if he's. Um, ask Nick if he's following his SOPs on this job. Um, that's what we're doing today. I'm following the SOP to the actual T here. So, okay, we got our patch on. We are going to tape. So again, there's a whole bunch of little tips and tricks to taping, but today we're going for time. So I'm just going to tape. Um, so again, we're going to start in the corner back here, brush it off, and then apply the tape. Yeah, little buddy. Uh, Joe Curry said, why do you use LED over your headlon lights? LED over what? Uh, I don't know. Headlamp. Uh, yeah. I yeah, think that's what so it is. Yeah, so the headlamp, you're shining straight onto the 
with the, with the LED that you hold, you're shining it sideways on the wall. And you're not going to be able to see all of the flaws in a wall if you point a light straight at it. You have to point the light sideways to see all the imperfections. Just like an attractive light that we have on our downdraft standing table. Um, there's Oscar, there's Oscar Milan again, and he's, good morning, Nick. Um, there's one, um, your dad is top-notch, is a top-notch dude. You're lucky to have him. And that's... Okay, your dad is a top-notch dude. You're lucky to have him. Oh, man, that's nice. Who said that, bud? Um... Anthony Cade. Oh, love that guy. I've had, I've had barbecue multiple times with Mr. Cade and his wife. I enjoy those people a great deal. There's none, none yet anymore. All right, so when I tape, I brush off. I brush off the tape, I press it down with my fingers, and then I press it down with a curtain. Just to get that in, because I got thick thumbs, and I can't get into that little knife. So it's very important that I get in there with that curtain tool. Okay, uh, we got some more. There's a good job. Uh, John Anderson, do you ever use heat guns to or blow dryers to speed drying up deeper patches? Do yes, you only on an emergency basis, though. That's not something you want to do all the time. It's uh, a scenario where we would do something like that as a floor forgot to tell you, and there's a fist hole or a hole from a baseball behind a door or something, and in that case, we would absolutely, you know, if it got sprung on us, yeah, we would, we would definitely, definitely, definitely use something to accelerate the... Um, and the same guy, do you ever use vacuum sander attachments? Do you ever use vacuum sander attachments? No, not, not in the way that they're probably thinking. So, um, a lot of times painters will use sort of a, a, a full sander attached to a festival or some other back system. And very rarely do we actually find walls that are that beat up where we have to do that. We'll certainly do that with our drywall crew and stuff like that. We have them in the company, but in the act of standard wall painting, it's not something we really do. Uh, we will definitely, you know, if there's a little stick on the wall or something, we may run over it, but uh, it's not in our facilities. Walls are actually surprisingly pretty good. And I'm actually, today, I like to, I usually go counterclockwise when I take it's just the, it feels like with my right-handedness kind of feels a little more natural but I want to keep super consistent with the SOP and not be a difference. I'm going this way. Okay, uh, there's one that says it should be Ask Gator Boy Show. <laughs> we can absolutely do that. I love that idea. Um, there is one. Do you ever do you ever find blue tape bleeds through the frog tape? No. No, when applied correctly, so you can see here, I rip off a two or three foot segment. 
tap it down with my hand, and one hand is kind of the driver of the tape for adjusting it. I get it tapped down, and then I run that pretty tool okay. over to get that last thing in. And when done like that, I expect rooms, you pull the tape off, have absolutely no touch-ups. So one thing I do in the corner, you're not going to be able to see the detail here, but I run my tape on, I guide it into the corner, I run it long and long, pretty tool in the corner. Snap it off like that for a 3290 corner. Okay. Um, if you're not painting baseboards, what would you do if the tape tore off of the paint from the baseboard? Okay, if you're not painting baseboards, what would what would you do if the tape tore off some of the paints from the baseboard? Would you consider yourself relatable? Well, I will know. So actually, in our in our info sheet that we give to our clients, it basically says the same thing for the as it does for that, which is if delicate painters tape damages a surface, that is a failed surface or failed coating, and not not our problem. So we can't be making up for other people's mistakes like that. So the most typical situation in that case is you know that pulls up a little bit of floor finish and. The ridiculous sort of argument is always, hey, painter, your tape pulled up my floor finish, so it's your fault and I want you to pay for it. And the counter argument to that would be, listen, if I just painted your cabinets and some tile guy who put in a backsplash put a little bit of blue delicate painter's tape on my cabinets and pulled the finish off, they absolutely would not blame the tile guy. They would say that painter would be a floor finish. So that floor finish, if you can pull floor finish off yeah. with painter's tape, that is a completely 100% failed floor finish, and that is the liability of the flooring contractor. Now, in the real world, though, if we just have a little bit that came off or something, we will absolutely ask the client for some touch-up paint, and we would touch it up. Because again, we're not going to, we don't like to be these legalistic, you know, um, sort of painters where it's like, hey, I'm a job sort of thing, but we're also not going to repaint all the trip in the house because somebody else gave a bit of finish. So we'll just do the decent human being thing that puts the spot. Let's just take care of it. What else you got, little buddy? Um, there's one. What's your best ba basic trim painting? Is super paint good, in your opinion? All right, say that again. Okay. What's your best basic trim paint? Is it super paint good in your opinion? No, uh, not for trim. Um, super paint is a wall paint. It's a high to mid grade wall paint. It's actually a pretty good paint. Um, the reason we don't use super paint on walls a lot is because the duration, the duration is both class. Um, the best trim paint, in my opinion, right now, is Benjamin Moore's stuff that sat. I absolutely love that stuff. It is for, for a whole bunch of really cool reasons. It's uh, it dries as fast as lacquer, covers like a wall paint, and brush it to the point where it looks sprayed. It is readily available, which is very important to me. It's not going away. Uh, it's super easy for apprentices to apply. Also, or the particular kind of thing, also 
Uh, it's super forgivable, and it's got a beautiful, beautiful finish. So I don't feel you're giving up much with Scuffex. So yeah, we're a we're a Scuffex satin company. We pump out lots and lots and lots of stuff. Okay, um, there's one. For rolling walls, do you prefer one and a half inch or three and eighth inch uh, nap covers? Oh, uh, <laughs> I've changed this over the years. I used to be a three quarter guy. Why, you may ask? Uh, three quarter. Three quarter has a beautiful, beautiful uh, production rate to it. You can control half of the main 12-foot wall with a three-quarter inch roller full of paint. But uh, in the hands of somebody less skilled, you're going to leave a lot of stipple and stuff. So we've actually gone to half-inch. And I think half-inch is a perfect mating of production. You want it to hold a lot of you don't want a lot of stipple. Okay, there's one. Oh yeah, sorry, one last, one last sentence here. So yeah, uh, anything less than a half inch to me uh, doesn't give you a smoother finish, but it absolutely is less production, a lot less with it. I, I've seen people even use like, quarter inch rollers and stuff, and that is just like, and you're rolling with a, with a dry roller at that point. So I like half inch. All right, nobody. Okay, there's, um, please repeat the kind of trim paint you prefer. Say it again. Please repeat the kind of trim paint you ref, uh, prefer. Benjamin Moore Scuff X Satin. Okay. Um, morning, Nick. Why do you te tear your tape versus, versus running it continuously? Ah, I love that question. I love the nerdy questions. So, uh, I believe it's faster. I believe you have more control. When you continuously roll the tape out like that, doesn't really give you any advantages. Like people would argue, yeah, but they're too slow it's going to be a one. I would argue if you over by two inches, like every one, it'll do the same thing. Also, you can see I got a, well, you can't see because I'm coming back to it. But uh, there is, you get more control. I, I call it my rudder hand, where I'm actually out in front of the tape. Up in front of the tape, uh, changing the angle of the tape and pressing it down like that. Okay, there's. Super curious why you're taping the sides of the door. Yes, so we, uh, there is, Milo, you don't know this because you're young and it's. Okay. Uh, there's a huge controversy in the taping community where people uh, sometimes believe that if you tape things, you are a not good people. I believe that you are absolutely good. When you like this, I believe you have to see I take the sides of all these because we want clean lines. We want no little um, micro dots of paint. You not make of this. Okay. We want it, we want beautiful clean. And I would argue, and nobody's ever done this yet. This is where I get a little spicy on the internet. People say it's wasted time, wasted money, all that stuff with taping. I truly don't think. I don't think you can paint faster or better without taping. So, all right. So now taping is done. I move into switch blades. Okay. There's a uh, why. 
When you mask trim, do you keep the tape back just a little so the wall paint just goes a tiny bit on the trim? I do not. I want to hit that 90 right in the crotch of that 90 perfectly fit that because that will give you a perfect line. To go a little bit onto the trim, from the wrist of actually when you're standing in a standing position all that stuff, you have to run the wrist of seeing a weird little line and especially this can get exacerbated when you have stained and varnished trim and a painted wall and there's a black gap and you have a lighter colored wall paint with a black gap and then there will be a tiny little line of paint even if it's a 128th of an inch on there that does not look good and one of my apprentices must have lost the tv wall switch plate up there so we don't have one of those but so the plate's all in one place. Now, important again, we're going to start the sanding process. Uh, there's one. Do you still use Promar for 400? I've never used Promar 400. Okay. Um, there's one hashtag team tape. Um, there's one that says hashtag team tape. Yeah, tapers. Um, uh, real quick, buddy. So LED light again. 3M, or excuse me, yeah, 3M medium sanding block. I'm just giving this to make sure my hands are flat. These suckers are dry as a bone. Okay, this one's really funny. Nick is the beard of knowledge. Say it again, bud. Nick is the beard of knowledge. <laughs> I love it. Um, there's one. Will this job paint the ceiling or just walls and trim? Just walls on this one. Yeah. Others. Uh, I would debate and bet you that I could change your mind about running the tape continuously. Hold on, bud. Uh, there's one from Nick Joe. Nick, you're the man. Love your scuff X satin for trim. Um, do you use the lambskin nap covers? Yeah, yeah, what? Okay, do you use the lambs? Do you use? Do you like the lambskin nap covers? No. Well, yes, I do, but. I don't see any benefit besides maybe pickup and production for those things over the white doves. Um, my favorite use of the old light skin covers would be for when you get them big, three quarter inch, one inch, one and a quarter, and you do them for ceilings. They tend to spill a little less. And for ceilings, that's a great thing. And for ceilings, a lot of time it's production. Sorry, not this one. Yeah. All right. Sanding complete, we're working on the sweat. As I tell my apprentices, the key to painting, doing it well, is the sweat. 
Okay, um, there's one. Thank you, Nick, for sharing knowledge. If you're rolling a ceiling, what roller would you use? If I was rolling a ceiling, I would go with inch and a quarter thick, big boy. The biggest one you can, and get a... You can add one that sheds a little bit, that's, that's perfectly fine. Because if it's a ceiling and texture, it's not going to matter. So the, the white doves are known for not shedding fibers, but they also are a little less springy than some of the more production roller covers. So I would actually go to a production roller cover. So. Alright, so. Standard operating procedure for wall painting. We've got can, cut can. I'm actually going to warm my roller up. So this can start soaking. I want pro reduction. Okay. There's one said, one guy said, LED lights are so important. Have you tried cordless versions? We yes. love these. Yes, two problems with cordless versions. Batteries don't last that long. And, you know, you have to think about apprentices. We can lose charging cords. We can, um, they can not be charged up, and it just causes problems. So we found that just nice corded versions are just like the Jeeler, the bomb You know, they get tossed around in the vans. They're a little tougher. They seem to be better. So, all right, start the top coat one. Again, I'm starting from... Corner that I started all the patches on, those are the driest patches. Typically, what we do when we cut is I start from the lower left hand corner, I cut up corner, I go over across the top, and then come back along the bottom. But this, this wall is a simulated closet wall, so we got this huge opening right here. So, what I'm doing is kind of a U shaped wall, starting at the bottom, and I'm working my way up. One continuous mark, and I'll take a couple comments here in a second, buddy. But one of the one of the absolute musts of professional painting is something called keeping a wet edge, and I will demonstrate that if we get to the other walls here. But what I'm doing is cutting my top line. I will cut one wall at a time. And then I will roll one roll at a time because that will leave a wet edge. And if you're having problems with hat banding, flashing, picture framing, whatever people call it, it's typically because you're letting the paint dry and it's it's you're layering too much paint and the shine or the color can sometimes be off with that. So another thing I love about this pretty elastic because they've got that longer handle and you can reach about another six, eight inches on a typical wall like this. So, all right, I cut up. This is going to be super close to the camera, but I dip. I'm a dipper and a wiper, and I put the paint towards the wall and then cut. And typically what I do is, there's going to be a video later this year where I actually go through the mechanics of cutting and all the little nerdy stuff will go into detail with close-ups and everything else. But basically the idea is I try to get my cut line 95 to 99% perfect on the first one. And then magically it just works out. It's so easy on the second coat 
to just get that last couple percentage and make it perfect. I've seen it slows down considerably when you try to do a perfect cut line on the first pass. So I like to do, again, 95 to 98 and get it good in there. So. All right, little buddy. Okay. There's one. Do you use reuse your roller covers? And if so, for how long? So this is something that I actually am very self-conscious of. We do not reuse them. I mean, we'll use them on the same job. We'll wrap them up overnight and all that other stuff. But we do not. Number one, there's an economic reason. It takes a lot of time to clean out a bunch of roller covers. You think about having 25 to 35 painters out in the field, and it would basically be a part-time job for somebody to go back and clean them all and get them ready. Then you're assuming that everybody cleans them out perfectly, doesn't leave any paint water in them, or doesn't dry them out perfectly. They can set somebody up to fail down. Costs a lot of money, and roller covers are fairly inexpensive. Now, there is, there's a great debate, and I would love to get with like an economist and figure this one out, but I feel like the amount of water used to clean these things is actually probably worse for the environment than throwing a dried up roller cover in the trash. I'm hoping to have my mind changed by a great economist mind, but that's honestly how I feel. So there's nothing about the environmental concerns of now, if you stand there for three hours over a sink, washing brushes out, number one, that could be illegal. Number two, that is a lot of gallons of water that are going somewhere. So, um, we actually, with our brushes, you might find this interesting, we actually have a safety clean um, kind of wash station like mechanic shops have. And we are washing out our square parts, our brushes, and everything there because it's a non toxic cleaner. And the company actually comes and recycles it for you. So you're not even throwing it in the waste tank or anything like that. So, all right, brush is wet. Put the bristles back in there. I will hand it next to my next wall so we're ready. And we roll. Okay. I'll show you guys the technique on another adjoining wall. But I'm just going to knock this one out because you can't really see what I'm doing. Outside of 18s, is you really got to watch how much paint you put on. It's not all walls are big flat walls, like these side walls. And if you put too much on, you can actually get these crazy runs. Things down the walls. All right. Okay, should I read another comment? Absolutely. Bud. What ceiling paint do you prefer for spraying in a, in new construction? Sherman Williams CHV. It is as close to a perfect paint as you can possibly get. Uh, I understand that it's a regional product. I believe it's, I want to say somebody said it was CHV stands for Chicago High Mill, but I think somebody told me it meant something else. So, but it's a near perfect paint. It's, uh, it doesn't flash, it's dead flat, it covers well. I mean, it's, a, it's the worst wall paint you could probably ever use because it is that builder's flat. But my God, for a ceiling paint, it's nearly a perfect paint. All right, start my second wall. Okay. Does your SLP time change from slick wall to textured if you have repairs? 
I mean, not really. I think it, uh, a textured wall may take a little more paint and a little more muscle. Maybe a little more time for a texture repair, but typically when we have, we don't have any textured walls. But when we do, we're typically not doing large repairs. So if it's just a pinhole or a nail hole in the wall, I used to throw a little funny three fingers in there and it away. Okay. Um. Hmm. Uh, that's okay. There's one more. Actually, there's a couple. There's Chicago. Uh, C C H B Chicago Home Builders. Home Builders. That's right. I've heard that version of it. It's a wonderful product. If you can get it, man, get it. It is. And there's another comment under that, and it's the same thing. Um, one day you will be holding the camera, and your son will be painting the wall. Good job. That's it, buddy. So it's going to be really interesting because your dad has over a decade of his life documented on the internet. I wish that I had the same for my dad. So I could go back to the early years of him starting a business and see what his thoughts were, what he was struggling with, techniques he used, all that other stuff. So you're going to have a pretty cool resource bus, and you're going to have my times on here as well. And okay. That's going to be cool because you can challenge me in the future. There's one. Do you do, do, you do textured ceiling removal, yes. or is it faster? To draw drywall over it. No, it is not. It is not. There's unintended consequences with that. You still have to go through the, the entire drywall process, so I would say no. Um, for popcorn, what we know as popcorn, some people call it cottage cheese, acoustic texture, whatever. Um, we strip that, we'll spray it off, and we will fix the seams, and then we will apply knockdown. For knockdown, you get really Straight long knockdown, so typically we would skim over knockdown, make it flat, and then apply more knockdown texture for repair. Okay, we skim flat either way. Okay, um, it one is how do you teach your apprentices to cut straight lines? Yeah, so you can show them the technique. This is one of those things where it does take repetition. Got to be committed to muscle memory, so. Um, I'll show you. I tell you what. On the next wall, I'll kind of go through my technique. You're not going to be able to see up close. Like I said, there's a show forthcoming with just that, but uh, I will show it on the next wall. I'll give you my little tip on the technique. You can see, I went over left corner, went up, I went over. Now I'm going back down and around. Okay. Um. There's one. Why don't you clean sanded dust from the wall? There's really no dust on the wall. So that's something where I've never I've never seen a noticeable difference between when you sand a wall completely and then wipe out all the dust versus those couple patches that stuff where the dust just kind of, you know, there's a couple grains that fall on the floor. There's no noticeable difference in the wall. And if I'm being 100% honest, that's probably meaning that there is a trace amount of dust still on the wall that does get in the paint. But honestly, 
if you actually look at drywall, especially walls that have been a bunch, there are imperfections far greater than a couple grains of dust. Simple from old things, drywall, that you really have old rollers on there. So for me, it's like, yes, you're absolutely right. You could go on that stuff, but nobody would ever know. So that's, that's my thinking about it. Do the things that bring value to your clients. Okay, there's one, um, I think it's, I think the person's from Brazil, hey. and, um, yeah, I can show you that, I don't know how to read that no, one. Okay, what kind of brush are you using? 30, extra, elasto, two and a half inch straight um, one says, get it, Nick, and, um, what color are you using today? I'll find that for you in just a second. I'm not going to stop my wall process. So the next roller pull, I will describe my rolling SOP, how I teach people to roll. Okay, there's, um. Man shows how to paint room. This is gold. So I like to load up a roller with as much paint as I possibly can. And the goal would be to get three roller bits on the wall. So what you never do is start them at the top because you're going to leave a bunch of paint. So one, two, three, give or take. I'll start in the middle. I'll lay down a paint stripe. I'll work it to the left. One says, do you ever tape off outlets after you take covers off? I know. Then I work to the right. So then we'll go back over one finish stroke. Top to bottom, just so you don't have any little bees or anything else. All right, what was the question, bud? Okay, do you ever tape off outlets after after? Okay, do you ever tape off outlets after you take the covers off? I know. Oh, I know you cut them, cut them, and and but sometimes the guys accidentally hit them with rollers. <laughs> Sounds like you should just stop hitting them with rollers. No, we don't take them off. Um, typically, they don't get any overspray on them. Uh, they don't get any little bits on them, and you're not supposed to hit them. Um, when we do spray trim, we do that. So. What you got, um, mom just joined. Hey, what's on there? What's up, Toots? She's um, I don't know. Wait, no, that's Aurelia. Oh. Aurelia's doing it. I thought that one was on TikTok. Right, hi, Aurelia. Oh, she said hi, Milo. Okay, wall number two done. We're halfway done with top post one. Oh. Right. So let me do the. One more, one more question, then I'll go over my technique. Okay, Ronnie said, lead by example. Lead by example, my favorite. You don't necessarily have to lead by example, but it's a hell of a lot easier when you do. Okay, so, cutting technique. Put one side of your brush. I do not, I'm not, I'm not a slapper or a tapper. I'm a wiper. Put the paint towards the corner. I don't start exactly in the corner. I run a line of paint out, back, and then fill it in. Stand a little more. 
So you can see with this one here, I'll try to get my big head out of the way. Bring it back into your last cut. Pick up that thing again. This is a robotic move Dad, can I read on that Ronnie said? Absolutely. Ronnie said, I'm seriously thinking of hiring Nick for my company. Who's that? Ronnie. Ronnie? Yes. I love it. Love Ronnie. Ronnie Falau Muito. You know what that means, little buddy? No. Ronnie talks a lot in Portuguese. I love, love me some Ronnie. Okay. Okay, should I read another comment? Absolutely, dude. Okay. Good morning, Nick. Shane from AL. Multiple questions. I'm re I'm renovating entire home for a friend. I've scrapped all popcorn and skim and skimmed. I've also I'm and also changing wall color to lighter color. Her ceiling and walls. I'm just gonna go. I'm just to just oil prime everything with bin stained blocker because of condition of previous. What would you process process be if if you were completing? Okay, so if I understand right, typically if we were to do that job, we would do that. We would strip the texture on the ceiling, we would repair all the seams, we would sand it smooth, and then we would actually, uh, we, we have a stain block somewhere in there, so we can either do an after texture or before, but we actually use, our stain will always block stains, but when you spray it in the whole house, it can get really stinky. It takes longer to dry. So what we've been doing for the last year or so, We've actually been using Zinter Smart Prime, which is a water-based stain blocking primer. And uh, we've actually had great luck with it. Um, it's been a long time since we've had anything bleed through with Smart Prime. So I would do that because it's water-based. It's a lot easier on the clients. It dries quicker. Yeah, that's what we do. So now, if you were switching all the walls over to a lighter color too, I would be very, very tempted to just spray everything, spray the ceiling, spray the walls with Smart Prime, just give everything a nice solid base, and then I would probably just run over like with a hole sander, a 360 circle sander or something, smooth everything out, and then uh, and then start. You got a nice stable base from there. Okay, you want me to read another one? Absolutely, buddy. Right from the way. Okay, do you ever back roll your cuts with a four inch? No, we do not. This is another thing too where. There's people that I know and love who absolutely use a mini roller and back roll all that stuff to make texture. And honestly, if you keep a wet edge, I've never really seen them. Um, never in the history of this company has difference in texture be cutting and rolling really that serious problem. The only time it has been is when somebody hasn't followed the wet edge theory and, and keep a nice wet edge. So. Yeah, that's something that I agree is probably an upgrade from what I do, but 
I don't know that any of our clients would find value in that. We could get with this really beautiful, like matte ball finish with a little bit of luster on it. Really no, no big issues with texture differences. Okay, um, there's, what is your production rates on walls? How many feet per hour can a, can your painter run? Yeah, so, problem is, production rates are going to be really weird. You can actually figure this out. This is an 8-foot high ceiling. These are 15 by 15 foot walls, so do the math. And then you can tie me, and that's your production rate. You start to finish. Um, we've done all these calculations in my company. But we don't estimate by square footage, so we, it's not a number we dwell in. We use it to, came up, to come up with some SOPs and some other stuff, but it's not a number that we traffic in, mainly because my production rate, because I've been doing this for almost 30 years, is quite a bit different than some of my apprentices who have only been doing this for 10 weeks. So it makes estimating and using production rates in our company a little trickier than other companies. So, yeah. We have them, but there's more important numbers, like we do a universal number, which is an hourly budget per room or project. We tend to find that that, for this stage of our company, when we've got lots of trainees, to be much better. Okay. Thank you for the awesome answer, Nick. As a handyman, I love learning from you, and we'll definitely try the Smart Prime. Oh, that's awesome. And I hope I answered the question correctly. Yeah, that's what we've been doing. So I hope it works. The downside of water-based primers is you can get them to bond to stuff. You can get them to sometimes block stains, and sometimes you can get them to be sandable. But we've not yet had a primer that can do all that. And my God, if somebody could come up with water-based primer that will stick to all this old old woodwork, not have any stains to be through, and it's sandable. You, my friend, have invented the unicorn primer, and you would you would not be able to make enough for the demand for me and other painters. That's what we're all holding out for, because I will I will stop using oil primer the second we can find a water-based system that does that. Okay. It's gotta be readily available, it's gotta be consistent, like oil primer. Yeah. Um. Once you pull the tape, can you show us an us an up close of the trim? I haven't had the best experience with frog tape not bleeding. Yeah. So I absolutely will do that. Um. I will remind me at the end. Okay. Got it. Yeah. So when people say that frog tape bleeds, I will tell you it's. Most likely user error, just when people want to take this in the manner of but um, when people say this paint failed or something like that, 99% chance paint did not fail. Paint is really one of the most consistent things we have in our world. It's almost always user error. So I would say try to fix it with your technique first, because we have absolutely no problem with dog tape. Dog tape is. I mean, interesting story about frog tape. It was actually invented by this little innovation company 
about a half an hour from here. And the first time I saw it is when, this is before Shirtane purchased it, but uh, the guy had made it, made some samples, run into our local hardware store, and I saw this really cool green tape, and I thought, wow, how interesting, you know? And I tried it, and I thought, of course it's going to be a gimmick, because it's like, hey, we got this special chemical on the edge that stops paint, I'm like, yeah, right, we'll see. And I instantly, you know, I went from the standard blue tape to that, and I would always expect the standard blue tape to have like two to four touch-ups per bedroom, you know, when you rip off the tape, for any number of reasons. And when I did front tape, I would detape a whole room like this, and there would be one single touch-up, razor sharp lines. So instantly, I was like, oh my god, this is absolutely not a gimmick. This is actually something that's going to improve the way we do business. And we've been a convert ever since. I mean, this could be a decade, give or take. And uh, so I actually got in touch with the company. And I went down to visit them. We did some projects together. And SureTape required them. And we actually still do projects with SureTape now. So we are big fans, and not big fans because they hate me doing them, but big fans because they actually sell a really good product that helps our people out. That's something that I like very much. So. Okay, there is. If this is the base SLP, are you selling upgrades, and how often? And what upgrades do you offer? No upgrades. So. Once in a while, uh, rarely, somebody says, fine, standard wall paint is good, but we want something a little different. You know, we can obviously do a gloss room for them if they want. That is, you know, you're, you're charging 30, 40 grand for a product like that. Most people don't want that upgrade. What we can do, though, is actually smooth the walls out and treat them like trim and actually give them like a stuff axe or a vintage or advanced finish. And that is a beautiful, beautiful, super interesting wall finish. But honestly, what we offer, when I say this is the standard SLP, this is actually something I would consider a very high quality professional finish. One that you're never going to find in most newly constructed homes. But we do take the time to fix the walls and apply two coats of a matte paint to give you that beautiful, beautiful sheen. And take the care to give you a nice, even finish and things like that. So, yes, there's always things you can do more to rooms. But honestly, you get into this game of diminishing returns where clients aren't willing to pay for much more, or they don't see the value of much more. So you have to, like, my philosophy is give them the best possible thing you can in a reasonable amount of time. Find that nice sweet spot of price and value for them. And always just exceed their expectations. I mean, obviously, the goal is exceeded a lot, but. As long as you exceed the client's expectations on every project, that would be the goal. Okay, coming down the home stretch, the last wall here. Okay, um, uh, there's Nick. Another question. Historically, I've I've used higher sheen in kitchens, bath, and hallways, but personally prefer the look on flat on walls with yeah. new. Technology and paint coverings, do you still recommend this process or is it still safe to use the flat or eggshell in these areas? Yeah, so this is something that we actually talk to our clients quite a bit about because in the olden days, back with like little paint and stuff, 
typically what you find is that the higher the shine, uh, the less deadener or flattener they put in, which actually makes for a harder, more resinous paint. So a lot of times when you see beautiful farmhouses that still have original oil paint, there will be gloss oil on the kitchen ceiling and wall because they would actually scrub those houses down every spring, open up the windows, scrub up the walls, things like that. Now, I believe that that's not true nowadays. I truly believe that satin duration while painting is as durable, as washable, as matte. It's just an aesthetically different shine level. So I honestly say you don't need that. And uh, change shines. And we have battled with clients because it is that commonly held belief that the shinier the paint, the more durable it is. And the problem it is, the problem is with all that thinking is that you guys have ever seen a true high satin on a new house with drywall. It is one of the scariest things you'll ever see. Those walls are not perfect, and the level of drywall nowadays is not nearly up to, up to what we would consider a good wall. So the shinier the paint you put on, the more flaws you're going to see. And that's something we have to walk our clients through, which is you think you're going to get something more durable in the end, you're not going to get something more durable. You're actually going to get something that aesthetically looks good at worse. And so it's not, the shinier paint is not always necessary for that. But aesthetically, I do like a nice, I like a nice low satin. I'm sure that low satin to me feels a little more sophisticated than a semi-gloss, not bad semi-gloss. All right, top book two done. I truly do like flat wall paint, if I'm being honest, but our clients are so skittish with flat wall paint that we have to be super careful about that. We can give them a very good like duration flat, cashmere flat, things like that, but they're still weary about it. So, all right, nobody start top book two. Okay, um, there's one. Is there a difference between blue frog tape and green frog tape? Absolutely. So, um, the blue is sort of like the commercial version. Uh, it's sold in larger packs, a little more production oriented, things like that, but it still has that same chemical on it. The green comes in different widths. You know, you can get the skinnier, the three quarter, or the fractional, whatever it is. Um, yeah, the blue only comes in kind of that one size, give or take. So, it's really made for production outfits and things like that, but it's a super, super high grade tape. I love it. Obviously different than um, the yellow project. Yellow is delicate. Green is kind of the flagship of standard. And they uh, have orange, which is high tack, which is a kind of cool thing. Nothing else in color, but it does actually have a nice high tack. And they're actually coming out, if I read this right, I saw the PCAX called that they're actually coming out with a, like a high humidity sort of. Uh, version of block tape for the exterior stuff too. So um, we brought some of that home and I'm very interested to get that in our hands because Minnesota Silvers are very human. Yeah. Alright, so putting that second top coat. This time I'm kind of connecting all the little variabilities of the Disney and I'm making that line nice and visually appealing from the ground. Okay. The interesting about cutting is that we rarely are given a perfect 90 degree and so basically the goal is kind of need to make it look straight from the ground. That's the trick. 
Okay, there's one. Uh, let's find it again. Um, there's one. You're making me want to paint my own walls now. Who said that, bud? Uh, Peter Ellis. Yeah, I love Peter Ellis, man. Thanks a lot. <laughs> and no, then, listen, I am. I, I have to be very upfront and honest. I am super self-conscious that uh, Ask a Painter is a skewed a little bit more towards the entrepreneurial and business running side of the painting stuff. And I itch greatly to do this stuff. I miss this a lot. So there will be more of this stuff, but um, mastering the basics series, it's important to me that the winter people have more time to work on the business. So that's why I skewed a little heavily towards the job cost and the estimating, the marketing, and you know, standards, deliverables, things like that. But we will get into some hardcore, hardcore painting. Um, actually, one of my favorites, one of my favorite periods of content creation is when I built my own house two years ago and I was able to practice my craft in the beauty of nature of my little farm, document the entire thing, just pop on live and paint trim or do other stuff and document the whole thing and then have people's interaction on there because it's so fun for your own projects. You do things slightly differently than when you do for clients or for liberties and things. I actually got super experimental with my house. Um, we had been messing around with scuff eggs for about a year at that point, and all signs pointed to that it was a good replacement for, which not a good replacement, a wonderful replacement for our fans, which we love very much, as our trimming cabinet animal. And my house was the final test. I wanted to spend a few weeks with it and touch it, feel it, smell it, and sand it, and work with it before I actually turn it over to my company and switch to SOP because SOPs are sacred <laughs> in my company. If we make a change, it's vetted, it's tested, there's a scientific process. We don't change those on a whim. And after my house, we passed all the tests and we converted our entire trail cabinet operation to scuffings. So that's how we that's how we do that. But that's a fun proving ground. Okay, there is. Hey, Nick, what brand? What brand of paint are you using? So our go-to wall paint is Sherwin Williams Duration. Sherwin Williams Home Duration. Duration Home Matte, I should say. Uh, it's the interior version of Duration. Uh, I'm actually using Super Paint today because we are saving Duration for our crews out there. Um, there's not technically a shortage, but it's not as easy to come by as it was before. So I didn't want to waste some good duration on a test room. So we're actually using super paint today. Okay, um, there's... Nick, I like how you can must multitask with working and talking at the same time. My employees would take three times as long. Well, listen, the, if there is a superpower I possess, it's being super patient and being utilitarian. I kind of have one pace that I move at, and it is wonderful for restoring Victorian houses, painting, but like when you're on a walk with your wife, I have one pace, and it's too fast for my wife, and it's not good for your relationship. So I'm always self-conscious of that sort of thing. Tighten up my shoulder here. Okay, there's one. I love the Ben Moore Aura Matte. 
some meta or something. I do love your idea of one wall at a time with the wet edge. I always trim the entire room, then rolled. Yeah, so um, technically, I've done that too, right? That's not a big deal. Sometimes when you're on a monster creation, you can't cut a couple feet and then get down and roll. You're going to just jump in a weird position. So I have done before, and I do. You have a big old great room, vaulted ceiling, stairwell. I do cut the whole thing. And it's not the end of the world, but when you have the opportunity to do one wall at a time, I would absolutely do it. Because chances of getting a more professional finish are very much higher. Okay, there's Hey Nick. First time I've made this one live. Um, I don't know. Uh, I don't think I can pronounce that name. What else you got for me, little buddy? That's it. Uh, there's nice. no. Are we caught up? Yes. Nice, dude. I think I read every single chat on, on nice. TikTok, on Facebook, and on Instagram. Obviously, people sometimes are ready to run their own for like six months. Sometimes they still need a little bit of motion and a year, but either way, in a year, they can do almost everything they do really well on the budget. And the first quarter that people come into this budget, their responsibilities are prep and deep prep by themselves. So we want them to be able to do prep the kitchen, prep some trim, prep the bedroom by themselves, and then deep prep it. And we also want them to do all of our updates. So we have a thing called the jump sheet, which is kind of our work order, and it tracks labor and material for each job. So obviously, people know what I mean, but the job cost is important. And we need material and labor numbers from each job. So we ask that our painters do that. Also, we need a 3 PM update every day on the Slack side of the messaging app that we use internally to stay off of people's text messages. And every day at 3 p.m., they have a stock form that they fill out about how many hours they use on the project, what they got done, what percentage of the project is done, what percentage of the budget is used. And that's how we can schedule. And people always ask, you know, friction point is schedule. How do you schedule? How do you schedule? Well, that's it. We get an update from every group at 3 p.m., and our production team sits down, takes in all that information. And then adjust the schedule as needed for the next day. So we get our schedule up by four or five o'clock every day for our painters. Now, that and the third requirement that we have for apprentices is to paint this bedroom in four hours or less. And again, the, the actual budget for a room like this is about 5.7 hours, which is obviously way too much time. But 
for that reason, we set a higher, we set a higher level of uh, Okay, Dad, we got a couple more chats. Good morning, Nick. Looking good. Same way I do things. I love your SLP on trim as well. What's up? What's up, boss man? Keep the good work. Keep the keep up the good work. Uh, we're starting to use small platforms instead of step ladders as much as we can. At least the least ladder move the better. So one of my favorite tools that we have incorporated in the business is uh, the corner branches. I use one when I first had stuff. I like a great deal. You can actually cut all the snap of the wall with the amount of length that you can walk from side to side. So it's a really cool thing. So yeah, four foot step ladder is my favorite for standard because it's small light footprint. Yeah, those corner branches are something else. Okay, there's, um, what program are you using to live stream on all social media with one feed? Yeah, so I actually don't do that. It's, I have three devices going right now. Um, not that one doesn't exist, it's because I haven't taken the time to find one yet. There's got to be a live streaming suite. I'm sure it's a standard thing. I just don't use it yet. I keep it simple. Keep my time for family and business precious. Move on. I'm sure we'll find it up pretty sooner or later. But I use BeLive to broadcast onto Facebook with that template that you guys are watching. And there is, um, do you have your team use 18 inch rollers as a standard? Say it again, Mike. Do you have your team use 18 inch rollers as a standard? No, 9 inches standard, but we do give 18s to every crew, their discretion. Um, I'm using an 18 today. Uh, it's the last time I did this many years ago, it was four years ago. I did a 9 inch, and I just want another example of something else out there on the internet. So that's why I'm using 18 today. But well, we use the same roller cover and everything. So same thing, just wider. Um, mom's on Facebook right now. Yeah. She said, you're doing great, Milo, man, and dad, too. Oh, great, me, too. I was going to say, if you get the compliment, buddy, I'm super jealous. Sorry, you're really good, bud. Yeah, I'm just going to keep going. Uh, there's one. I see your, I see you are... Utils the second cut as the fast cut. Yeah, I think you actually time it. It's likely that they're actually very close in time. There's a, at least in my mind, they're not noticed because. Okay, we're up. I will tell you this: there's one unique thing about this room is that it's been painted eleven hundred times, and the joint between the the wall and the ceiling is not your typical joint. Uh, you can imagine some of these corners too, they get a lot of fill up paint. And we actually took off some of this trim to redo this stuff. Uh, there was like, I think there was like 316s worth of paint down there or something. It was some ungodly amount of paint, some crazy thick layer of paint. So if this gets painted a ton, 
So, yeah, I, if, if I did slow down on the first one, it's usually because I there's huge lumps paint build up, and I kind of have to make my own line. So it's not as intuitive as just running it down the 90 degree crotch of the wall and ceiling. It's more like you need to create a vision of a straight line. Okay, there's any advantage to using a 14-inch instead of a 9-inch as a standard tool? No, I mean, yes. Obviously, there's more production. Uh, we use 14s, too, but for me, it's kind of like, yes, I love the 14, but at that point, you're using a 14, I look forward to 18, honestly. Um, I know that Curry came out with a new reinforced 14, which I'm going to use now. We'll be uh, showcasing later in the year. But um, the downsides of a lot of those early 14 controllers is that they weren't supported on both ends of the roller cover, like the 18, and that sucker would flex. Flex to the point where it would bend, and you can't really wrench on it. You know, I like to apply a lot, a lot of uh, pressure on my roller covers to get maximum coverage and, and just for speed and that. And when I used to wrench on some of those early versions of the 14s, Man, those suckers are Oh, there's one that says, Hey, Nick, I was given the exterior yellow frog tape to test. Looking forward to trying it. Absolutely. I would love to say that, but... Um, Harvey Foles. I don't know. Yeah, you have to report back. I would love, 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 love to hear how that goes. We are going to harm that stuff. Our exterior is looking this great. Okay, I'm all caught up on chats. Nice, you. You are a very efficient young man. Thank you. All right, coming down the home stretch here. I'm on all three with a final cut. So, goodness, uh, this is the second time in my company we've done the bedroom painting contest, and uh, last time we had a whole bunch of great prizes, $100 Amazon gift cards and all this stuff, we're going to need something similar this time too, and uh, yeah, we put almost everybody in the company through this, and there are some phenomenal times in there, I love seeing that, and uh, do this not only because I want to be with a challenge for limiting to be helpful as possible, but because these 10 or 12 apprentices that we have, one of their Apartments in the first three months is a four hour bedroom. So, this is a way of testing because in two weeks we have a full setting and review meeting where we sit down with everybody in the company, and that's the time where we review their progress in the attraction program. So, this is a way of them to put the power So, we actually know for sure we're doing well. Okay, there's one that says, What is your SOP with Nutrim? What kind of filler do you use on nail holes? So, we actually use the same filler, Freedom Eye Strength, tinted uh, for nail holes and stuff. Uh, it doesn't need to be structural, it doesn't need to be hard, it just needs to fill a hole and be smooth. So, we actually use Freedom yeah, Eye Strength, a new trim. 
Jessica. Now I'm all caught up on chats. There's one that there's one that says what caulking do you use for the trim? Yeah, so we actually use an all pro fast dry, it's in a orange too. Uh, I would show it to you. We have it in our supply room right behind, but I need time. So I'm not going to do that. But if you email me at slavic.com, I can send you a link or send you an image. But yeah, it is an all pro fast dry version. Okay, there's one that says, Nick, love watching all of your videos, especially the character homes you do. You should be so proud of your success. Oh, that's nice. There's another one. Um, good morning, Nick. Painting is like riding a bike. You never lose it. Boy, I, I mean, I guess this is proof of that, but I was worried about it. I'm not going to lie to you. And this feels good. Yeah, it's really good. Okay, Sometimes eight or eleven miles a day around this house, up and down ladders, over the road, 
things like that. And uh, I was burning like 1,800 calories a day, which is damn good exercise. But that's how that's how you're able to. I mean, I never did. I never did this, but that's how a lot of trades people are able to eat gas station pizza, sandwiches, camera drink, energy drinks, eat candy all day, junk food. Okay, there's one says, I love this, Nick. I listen to podcasts and paint. You make the podcast and paint. You're a whiz in this room right now. Looks great and awesome job, Gator Boy. And then there's another one that just came in. Just starting out doing this, besides the training we have in our shop, our vi your videos have been a great help. Now, people, people forget sometimes that, like, listen, I'll be the first one to tell you, painting is very important. The graphic painting is a sacred thing for me. I love it deeply. But sometimes we can focus too much on painting and not enough on the humans in our business. have to remember that all businesses are human-based entities that just offer a service or a product outside of humanity. And I think the trades has suffered from martyring ourselves in the craft, and martyring ourselves in the craft, and not spending near enough time martyring ourselves in the human that are along there. And you know, we can, we can see why you know, not a lot of young kids get in because there's a lot of grumpy old people that are not taking good care of them. So I think that's one of those things where yes, this this SLB is important to me, but honestly, when we train this SLB. Technical part is not the hard part. It's that limiting point of can I even do this? And when you add somebody who's never been in the trades before, and never been in the trades before, and you bring them into this, they sometimes don't know how long. Because they sometimes people have painted a bedroom themselves and it's taken two weekends. And all of a sudden, some guy with a big beard saying, You got to do this four hours, they can be scared. So, we an example of one practice who did a, a first test of this method, and they did it in seven hours, and it really kind of unseated them. You know, they were kind of shook up, like, oh my god, there's no way I'm ever going to move to the next level of apprenticeship. My job's in jeopardy, this and that. And my approach to that is to attack the headspace, a limiting belief to that, and not the technical training. That person had all the technical skills that they needed. They were lacking this self-confidence to do it. So honestly, apprenticeship at its base is a headspace thing. And it's way less of a technical language. Not the way I started off. Okay. I only focused on technical and I did a disservice to the humans. Okay, there's one says, I'm in the same boat. I've gained some pounds from being in the office a lot more. And then one is, go Nick, you're killing it. Thank you, man. Thank you, thank you. All right, on to my last roller ball. 
Um, no, I don't think so. I just caught up on all the chats. But I like it. Almost done. We just have a piece of tape here, so I'm just peeling it off the side of the trim. Oh, Dad, we. Dad, we gotta do a close up on the trim, remember? What's that, bud? We have to do a close up on the trim. Ah, all good. They can do it, right? Okay, there's another one that came in. Way to keep finding boss man. Way to keep finding boss man. And then there's one. Are you still planning a summer retreat? Yes, it'll be in late August. I'll announce it publicly probably within the next month. Okay. Who said that? Um, uh, John Anderson. Yep. Yep, it's a comment. When, when can we expect details about the applications? Yeah, it's, it's a comment. And then I think there's... I think there's um another Brazilian person here. Okay, another one just got gotta jump off thanks for all you do have a great weekend good time to jump off i'm just about done here Another one came in and it said, what is your go-to paint? Is it Sherwin-Williams? For trim? Uh, no, it, it didn't say trimmer. It's like, just your go-to paint. Okay, so my go-to wall paint is Sherwin-Williams Operation Home Matte. My go-to trim paint is we prime with cover stain. 
and we use Benjamin Moore Scuff X satin. Ceiling paint is Sherwin Williams CHP. And uh, um, one said, you killed it, Nick. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I appreciate that. I would love to actually sit down sometime and try to calculate the number of bedrooms that I've painted in my life. Thousand. Uh, it's still, still as rewarding as it was. I mean, paint is dry, but it obviously as dry as it could be. Okay, that's it. Boom. Woo! Hour and 23 minutes. See how many calories I've burned here, too. Okay, uh, while you do that, there's another comment I'm going to read. Um, Love you sharing your process. I hope I hopped on later, but I'm guessing you cut ceilings in by hand. I hope we connect at some point in the future. Absolutely. So last thing I'll say is, if you want a copy of this SOP to see exactly what I did here, email me nick at nickslavic.com. You get this, exactly what I did here. So budget for one of these is 5.7 hours. Goal in my company, a standard is four hours. I did it in hour 23, give or take. Which, uh, which I'm very proud of. I don't know, I've never, uh, I've never actually tied myself uh, as far as that goes on this thing like this. So, that was fun. Yes, buddy? It's an hour and 36 minutes. Oh, well, okay. <laughs> we'll see. The feed has been going for that long. But remember when I started painting? Oh, yeah. Oh, second guessing your old man. Come on, <laughs> buddy, where's the support? No. All right, everybody. So, this thinking comes out of First principle reasoning. First principle reasoning is breaking problems down to their minimalist things. Breaking these down to their most minimalistic base um, and then uh, building up a solution from there. So we basically take a room like this and say, well, why do certain people do things like this? Why do we, do we have to sand the wall? Do we have to uh, then wipe down all the dust? What do we have to do to the trip? Do we have to tape or not to tape? And when you test everything, get uh, um, feedback from that, you can actually say, well, what's, what are the minimal steps that we can do to provide the maximum value for the client? And that's what this treatise is right here. So um, thank you everybody for watching. Uh, this sort of thinking comes uh, in groups like the PCA, the Painting Contractors Association. They build better contractors. They have world-class painters training like this. They have a business accelerator, which is going to be launched soon, which is basically, when you think about the master of the basics part of Astapainter, job costing, estimating, all this and that, it lays the groundwork for what it's like to run a professional business. That is forthcoming. There's a whole bunch of in-person events like the Big Expo, and uh, outside of that, there are just phenomenal people there. And uh, the reason that I have done what I've done in the last five or six years is because of the people in that organization guiding me through this. And uh, if you want to talk to a bunch of paint nerds and business nerds, that is your place. People who love to dissect this sort of thing is great. Go ahead, bud. Okay, there's one that says, wow, I'll be emailing you soon. Thank you again. And close up, let's see. Close up. Oh, yes, absolutely. So I think we got to take this guy. All right. So, what you see down here is that's an actual gap uh, in the woodwork there. 
trim line. Sorry, this thing is like, this is my tablet and it's auto-focusing. So yeah, try to find a place where the light is right and it won't auto-focus like that. Come on. All right, sorry guys, we're having some, some auto-focus stuff. Come on. All right, well, yeah, there we go. Back up a little bit, something like that. So yeah. All right, folks. Turn this sucker around. You framed up good, buddy. Mm -hmm. There's another cat that uh, chat that just came in. One of the last last question, then we're done. Can't wait to see you again at the next expo. It was great. I miss I missed it. When is the next retreat? Uh, retreat, the Ascapane Alive Retreat will be in late August. The next expo, I believe, will be in next February or March 2023 in Albuquerque, New Mexico. So, all right, folks, thanks everybody for watching. We're going to call it a wrap here because Milo's on the clock as well uh, as my production assistant today. And now we are back on family time. So, have a great weekend, everybody, and we will see you next week. Paint Ed podcasts are produced by the Painting Contractors Association and is made possible by members and industry partners. To find out more about upcoming education opportunities or for more information about joining PCA, visit PCAPaintEd.org.